to Totalus Rankium. This week, Romanos 3. Hello and welcome to Roman Empress Totalus Rankium. I'm Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the emperors from Augustus to Constantine Eleven. And um, if you're listening, like in the future, and you're just binging your way through these, you might notice a bit of a change in the old sound quality. Ah, a bit um, of change in the old location as well. Yeah. Uh, if you check the date of recording, you'll realise that this is when the world exploded. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, coronavirus hit. Um, yeah, it did. And we're now on lockdown. And... Uh, I got a bit ill. Uh, Jamie's locked in his house. We're not allowed to see each other. So we are recording remotely. Aww. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we've got the hang of it. We, we recorded a special episode for the American series. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so but, but now we're back into the real thing. Yeah, it's like it's real odd. real podcasting. This is going to be very odd. Real podcasting. First time in, what, a month? Yeah, I think it is, you know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's been a while. Do you remember anything about the Romans? <laughs> <laughs> Who? Uh, I, I listened to uh, Constantine eight. Well, I listened to parts of his episode, sort of listened to a bit, skipped a bit, and then sort of got the idea. <laughs> right. Just just first five minutes and last five minutes. Yeah, sort of. There's a weird sketch at the yeah. end I didn't understand. But... Yeah, I don't know who does those. It's weird. Um, cool. We've done Basil. Basil two, the great Basil, yeah. who is now in the lead. Um, oh, I've only just realised something. Go on. We were supposed to uh, discuss his um, score and whether we were going to adapt it slightly, and we were going to do that at the end of last episode, but then we forgot. So we were going to start this episode, but then the world exploded. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and I completely forgot about that until literally just now, so I've not prepared anything. But, I mean, I remember discussing this and deciding if, if we took the points off, it wouldn't have mattered anyway to still be in the lead. Yeah, I, I think the idea is that his his succession plan wasn't great and maybe he should be penalised for that uh, on his successor's Ultimus, maybe knock a point or two off. I personally think that's a very good argument and I would be happy to take off a point or two myself. I, I, think, I think one point would be acceptable. But because the empire was yeah. so, because it's less about the entire empire, isn't it? And it I think it'd be unfair yeah, to yeah. dock it too much. Well, we definitely took points off Constantine first, so yeah. I, I'm going to take off a point. Okay. Are you taking anything off? Nope. Nope. Okay. Well, there you go. His success as <laughs> Ultimus goes down to uh, right. 19, I believe. But I can check because well, I'm on my computer. I've got so my I book. He's now on. Oh, well, he was on fifty nine point six three. He's now on fifty eight point six three. If I've worked that out correctly. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Well, there we go. See, job done. Yeah. Work something out. We remembered to do it. See, and everything. We are being productive. We are. So Basil goes down a whole point, uh, but he's still kicking ass in the lead. I hope you're happy, listeners. <laughs> I bet they are. <laughs> right. So. We looked at Basil, uh, then we looked at his somewhat less successful brother, Constantine VIII, yeah. um, and then he died. Yeah, he did. Not having any sons. And all of a sudden, along comes Romanos III. So as memory serves, he's something to do with the power. Um, yeah. And was he not quite randomly picked, but, you know, you'll do. He's then threatened, you know, you need to leave your wife, marry Zoe, otherwise we're going to blind you. And I think it was his wife that said, yeah, you need to do that. 
Yeah, yeah, you have remembered well from earlier on today when you listened to some of the podcasts. I'm impressed. Right, okay, well, let's go into it, shall we? Okay. Okay, so let's jump in, shall we? Let's go to the early life of Romanos. Romanos was born into, like you say, one of the powerful families. Uh, In this case, the family was the Argyros family. Uh, Argyros. Argyros? Argyros? A-R-G-Y... R-O-S. That is exactly how I spelt it. That's amazing. Oh, well done. I'm and it, impressed. I'll be honest, it sounds like one of those shops where they have plastic-coated uh, catalogues and you go and look through and decide what you want, then you go and order it. It does. It does. They were the founders of uh, the Argyros shop. <laughs> um, yeah, it dates back to them. Fantastic. I mean, they didn't have plastic-covered magazines back no, then. No, probably leather-covered. Yeah, exactly. And you'd go in and you'd just search for a really thick parchment you'd spot the the grain in there that you want and you'd ask for the grain and then you go to one counter and ask for the grain then you go to another counter and wait for the grain for about 10 minutes while other people who came in after you get served and then go away yeah you're like but i I was definitely my number is like you're holding your ticket and everything yeah and then they have to sit on these annoying little wooden splintery chairs, and it's just it's just awful. Yeah, it, it, it was. I mean, it was a business success for them at the time, but yeah, I mean, yeah. customer satisfaction wasn't the greatest. Oh, no, it's rock bottom. If you're not from the UK, <laughs> uh, you probably haven't got a clue what we're talking about. What the about. hell are they going on about? It's <laughs> a type of shop. Um, do they have Argos's or equivalents to Argos in any other country? I don't know. I th- it sounds like a very British institution. I'm not sure. Let us know, listeners. Do you have a shop where you can't see anything? Everything's in a magazine and you just choose a number and then go up to the counter and then someone fetches it for you. It's great fun. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> slight um, tangent. <laughs> slight tangent there. Uh, the Argyros family, founder of the Argyros shops, uh, <laughs> They also have had several prominent family members over the last 100 years or so. Uh, there are records of generals and poets and all sorts coming from the family. Yeah. Uh, but Romanos himself was born in 967. Uh, he had several siblings. We have uh, Basil Igyros. Uh, he became a general under Basil II, yeah. uh, as did another one of his brothers, Leo. So he's got a couple of, uh, couple of general brothers. And all named after emperors, including himself. Yeah, were popular names yeah. back then. They were. Uh, he also had a sister who was married to the powerful Sclerus family, who we've talked a lot about recently. Yeah. So, um, as you can see, the family is very much part of the powerful, yeah. the aristocracy, intermarrying. Uh, we know very little about the early life of Romanos. Um, he became a judge in the Opsician theme at one point. That's okay. how little we know about the early life of uh, Romanos, because that's the first we hear of him. Presumably, he was an adult by that point. One would hope. Yeah. Certainly the defendant, uh, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, especially since uh, apparently he spent most of his time judging heretics. Oh, dear. Yeah, which uh, doesn't sound fun. My judgment is you shall be guilty, and in the true Christian way, we're going to burn you alive. Yeah, I don't know. There's some um, mention of burnings no. in this time, but definitely mutilation seems to be more the way, so who knows? As God would intend. Yeah, I mean, either way, it, it's not pleasant. No. Um, anyway, he did a good job of uh, hacking and burning the uh, heretics, <laughs> apparently. 
uh, because after this he was promoted and he became a judge in the capital itself. So he moved into Constantinople. He rose through the legal ranks, which is very similar to rising through the military ranks. Similar song, different time signature. Yeah, it's uh, slightly different instruments used. Yeah, okay. You've got some woodwind in there and... uh, Subtle bagpipes. Oh. It's very hard to achieve subtle bagpipes. I was going to say, that's an oxymoron. (laughs) It's someone playing the bagpipes like two hills away. Just about (laughs) hear it in the breeze. But still pierces your soul. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, he's rising through the legal ranks until he reaches the position of the administrator of the great church. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, This essentially is the person who is in charge of the church finances. Uh, Okay. Yeah, because uh, the government didn't trust the church to (laughs) look after their own finances. Uh, so they they'd get a layman in and uh, they'd look after the finances for the church. <laughs> we we don't trust your ability to manage your own savings, so we're going to send somebody in to fill out your tax returns for a nominal fee, of course. Ha ha ha. Yeah, I mean that way you control the purse strings, and uh, it's less likely the church will do some revolting. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Anyway, he does this for a while, and then he's promoted again. And he becomes the urban prefect of Constantinople, which is what I mentioned last time. He is essentially the mayor of Constantinople. Oh, big hat. Oh, yeah, he must have had a massive hat. Do, do you uh, think if you if you were a mayor, would you always walk around with a town crier? I, I would purposely misunderstand my job role and just act like I am the town crier. <laughs> hey, hey! <laughs> yeah, and people would occasionally tell me that it's, like, it's not the mayor's job to do that but then I would hear you at them. Drown out with the bell. Exactly. And then pass a decree decree that says that the mayor's job is now just the town crier. That'd be amazing. That's what I'd do. And I'm guessing that's what Romanos did, because we don't know much about what he did. Within the capital itself, uh, being the urban prefect is essentially uh, the number two position after the emperor in terms of running the city. Yeah. He's not necessarily like the number two in the empire, because obviously you've got the Lord Chamberlain and other advisors, but in Constantinople, the city itself, he wields a lot of power. So uh, mm. this is probably the uh, peak of a long and hard career for Romanos that we'd simply know nothing about. So how roughly how old would he have been? Is he in his 50s, 40s? He is in his 50s by 50s. this point. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. That's the first 50-odd years of his life. We just don't know, basically. Well, we know he, he came from a, a catalogue shop family. He was yep. a judge. He burnt people in a Christian way. He, he may have burnt people. He may have chopped people up. Uh, <laughs> then he went and did the accounts for the church. And then became a bell ringer. Yeah. To be fair, there was more to be in the urban prefect uh, than ringing bells. Uh, road maintenance was down to him. Uh-huh. Uh, the city jail was literally under Ooh. his house. Um, Lit- if you remember... Back in Justinian II's episode, right. when Leontius uh, usurped yeah. Justinian II, he was in the prison, and then his friends broke him out of the prison, and then he went back to the prison and broke everyone else out. Yeah. Um, and then there was a big usurpation. Yeah, it's that prison. So oh, we, okay. they went to the urban prefects, uh, assuming it's still in the same building. We are quite a bit further down the road here, but still, that kind of thing. Yeah. Also, as urban prefect, uh, regulation of the guilds, because obviously there are a lot of guilds in the city, because that's how they run things. Yeah. Uh, so 
they've got to be regulated somehow. Um, so it's down to the urban prefect. Fair enough. And as you can imagine, probably a lot of power being the person in charge of regulating the guilds. Yeah. That's, that's all the commerce in the city, basically. So I've got an image of the robber barons from from our American podcast, our Roman emperor's total. No, no, no. From our American president's <laughs> total rankium podcast. Yeah, clues in the name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I've also just got Discworld in my head. Yeah, yes. Because you've just got all the guilds. The Beggar's Guild, Assassin's Guild. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, all that's going on. And uh, Romanos is in charge of it. And he seems to be doing a good job. At some point during his life, he had married and had a wife who apparently he loved very much. According to Celis, they had married when they were both still practically children. So it was a really young uh, (laughs) marriage in their teens. Yeah. Uh, but they're still together in their 50s and apparently quite happy with each other. So that's, good. that's, <laughs> that's nice. Good, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's nice when two people love each other and are together. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like a fairy tale. It is, isn't it? Ah. Oh. So um, there you go. That's all we've got on most of his life. He grew up, he prospered under Basil II's rule. Uh, he's now a powerful man. And then Basil dies. Yeah, he does. Oh, yes. And then Constantine VIII realised that he was going to die as well and decided that his daughter needed a wife. And, and his daughter being Zoe, right? Yes, exactly. Well done. Well remembered. Uh, we don't need to cover this story again in full because we covered uh, it in the end of the last episode. So uh, you've probably only just listened to it. Or if you are listening to these like up to date, then you can always go back. Uh, but a quick reminder, Constantine VIII had sent for the old Duke of Antioch Delesnus, but then changed his mind and decided actually Delesnus is not the man to marry his daughter. It's speculated that it was actually the powerful pulling strings in the background. Yeah. Then, one day, an unsuspecting Romanos received an invite to the palace. Nice. He and his wife arrived, because the couple were invited together, Um, and (laughs) when they were there... That just makes it worse. Yeah. It's it's really really not a good story. (laughs) Because when they were there, the couple were informed that the emperor, get this, has decided that they were going to divorce now, so Romanos could marry his daughter Zoe. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Romanos apparently was struck dumb at this, just just did not know what to say, refused to answer. <laughs> um, so Why? the emperor... <laughs> well, the emperor treated Romanos with uh, blinding if he didn't comply, now do it, or I will take your eyes. Uh, and according to Celus, it was Romanos's wife who eventually agreed. Oh. And she had her hair shorn off and was packed off to a nunnery. And the 60-year-old Romanos was suddenly the heir to the throne. Oh, that, that's, that, is a, that is wifely duty, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I Literally days later, uh, Constantine died, and uh, Romanos found himself emperor, just like that. Yeah, it's an odd story, isn't it? It It makes you wonder how reluctant exactly was Romanos here. Mm. Uh, Because if we believe the sources, all of this came out of the blue. He was completely reluctant. He didn't want to do it. Uh, his wife fell on her sword and uh, to save Romanos. Yeah. And Romanos was the reluctant leader. But really? Yeah. <laughs> do oh. we believe this? Well, I mean, I mean, I'd... I'd, I'd, I'd be a nun if it stopped someone getting blinded, to be fair. Yeah, but as we're about to see, 
Uh, Romanus certainly had some ideas about how the empire should be run. Um, when, he, when he's and not, he acts on them quickly. So perhaps he was actually part of the plot the whole time. But also, he was an old um, mayor, essentially. He was an old prefect. So mm. he's he's got that in him of ruling to a point. Yeah, it makes me wonder um, if this is story A, the reluctant ruler. Uh, you've got version B, which would be Constantine VIII comes to him and says, actually, Romanos, I've sent for Delesnos, but I've changed my mind. How about you rule? I'll um, threaten you in front of your wife to make it look like you don't want to do it, but uh, you get to marry my daughter. And, and she's wild hot! <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a bit, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, and then there's version C, which is all of this was out of Constantine's uh, hands, and it was actually hidden factions in the background making things happen, right. perhaps led by Romanos himself, or maybe Romanos was a puppet within that faction. Uh, there's a, clearly a lot of politics going on here that yeah. we're not privy to. Yeah. Um, the I don't know, the story of the reluctant leader just seems a little bit too much to me, but who knows? Uh, we we can decide when we're judging later. All we need to know now is that he's now emperor. Me, yeah, uh, maybe a puppet emperor, put in place by the powerful. Uh, maybe he's on his own. We don't know. What we do know is that Romanos was enthusiastic about his new job. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, he he was keen. Uh, in fact, it turns out that Romanos enjoyed reading, uh, especially history, and uh, oh. he'd been doing a. He'd be doing a bit of history reading, maybe listening to some podcasts. Uh, <laughs> and he was looking back to the glory days of the Empire for inspiration. So, okay, I'm going to be the Emperor. Um, so let's go back to the glory days. And by glory days, I don't mean Heraclius or no. even Justinian I. Or Basil? I don't even mean Constantine I. We're talking all the way back to Marcus Aurelius. Wow. Yeah, and emperors of that time. That was who Romanos III wanted to emulate. He'd, he'd been reading some real history. That's a bit weird, though, because that would be like the equivalent of, I don't know, if when if and when Charles becomes king, him going, I'm going to model myself on Alfred the Great. Not quite. William the First. But... William the First, a thousand years ago, that sort of time. Yeah, you're right. It is a bit odd. Um, but, I mean... Well, Marcus Aurelius was the philosopher general, don't forget. Uh, yes. He he was accepted by the Christian Romans. Uh, he, he was pagan, uh, but he was a philosopher. In fact, if you remember, way, way back in our Marcus Aurelius episode, uh, I seem to remember telling you a couple of stories about Christian miracles that happened during his battles, like sudden rainstorms coming over. Oh, obviously didn't happen. Uh, but these were stories that later Christians said about Marcus Aurelius because he was he was accepted, and the the way they twisted it was that there were some Christians nearby on a hill or something, and they managed to persuade God to save them. Yeah. God realized that Marcus Aurelius was a good egg. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Marcus Aurelius. One of the good guys. Uh, other emperors who he really liked the look of, Trajan. Well, that makes sense. He did a lot of uh, conquering. And also uh, the Caesars, according to Celis. Um, All of them. Uh, yeah, this is a very vague term. I get the feeling he means Julius, uh, Caesar and Augustus. But it's hard to tell because yeah. obviously Caesar becomes a title. 
But yeah, Romanos has been doing some reading. And he's decided that he's going to usher in a new golden age <laughs> and start a new dynasty. And that's what he's going to do. It's he's going to be... Yeah, he's going to be the next Marcus Aurelius slash Trajan slash Augustus slash Julius Caesar. I mean, how hard could that be? Not... Yeah. Easy. No um, problem. Yeah. So, to begin with... To get support, he was very generous with the finances in an attempt to gain favour early on. Uh, In particular, he gave a huge amount of money to the church. After all, remember, he worked as the chief finance officer for the church, so he knew exactly (laughs) what the church needed and what he was always frustrated about not getting. So he just passed all of that over. He also emptied the prisons of all of those who were in there due to debt, um, again, oh. remember he lived above the prison and he would have seen lots of people in there just because they were in debt, not because they'd done anything particularly bad. Yeah. Uh, so you get the feeling that this was a, right, let's right all the wrongs that I've seen personally. Mm. Um, and these were hugely popular moves. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even the weather was good, apparently. Uh, <laughs> and a, yeah. Uh, not, not nice and sunny. It was an abundance of rain that made sure the crops grew really well. Apparently, you couldn't move for olives at this time. Olives <laughs> all over the place, which is a nice little detail to know yeah. <laughs> that it's not of Romanus's reign. Loads of olives. Yeah. yeah. Good job, uh, yeah. Good job, Jeff put all his stock in the olive market just beforehand. Oh, he, he made a fortune. Yeah. yeah. And he, he kept those stocks and those olives because it's only going to go up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, according to Sellus, Romanus was convinced that this was the start of the new dynasty, the Argyros dynasty. Uh, Unfortunately, however, if he wants to start a new dynasty, it means he needs to get a son. And he doesn't have one. And and there are certain things you have to do to get a son. And and we, because one thing, it might be lost through time or whatever, but we don't know how Zoe feels about the enforced marriage. It's not lost in time. Oh. (laughs) Oh, we have the details. Um, Yeah. He has a new wife, as you say, yeah. um, but Zoe, get the feeling you're probably picturing Zoe as a young daughter of the old emperor. Um, that was in my head, blonde-haired, blue-eyed. <laughs> yeah, well, Zoe um, was already approaching 50. Oh. Constantine was old. Basil had lasted a long time, and Constantine had had oh. Zoe when he was young. So, yeah, Zoe's in her late 40s. And obviously, Romanos is 60 at this time. That's not good for baby making. Well, this doesn't deter Romanos. <laughs> In fact, I'll quote here. He ignored the physical prerequisites for conception. What? <laughs> he ignored the physical prerequisites for conception. So that either means they tried it in a different way, or <laughs> one that doesn't make babies, or um, somebody else. Uh, no, no, he's going to have a son, and he's going to have a son with Zoe. That's what he's decided. Yeah, there might be a couple of hurdles to jump over, but he's the emperor now, and he's going to make this happen. Uh, he's got the whole empire at his d- disposal. How hard can this be? So he called in as many specialists as he could find, and claimed <laughs> that they could cure sterility. Is this where we get the pulley system introduced? <laughs> well, um... Zoe apparently went through many a special regime uh, involving pebbles and charms and chains 
imagined. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Uh, Celis describes the magical treatments as, and I quote, nonsense. So these were not seen as potential remedies for um, being infertile at the time. This was seen as the emperor calling in the crackpots. It would appear that Romanos was the only one who thought that this was going to work. Everyone else just went, oh, good God, what's he doing? Oh, God, he's got the chains out again. (laughs) Yeah, already a strange start to the marriage. Um, What with the sudden marriage happening from nowhere? Uh, As you can imagine, this seems to have sent the couple into an irreversible spiral. Soon, neither of them could stand to be in the same room as each other, which... (laughs) If the age thing already wasn't a problem, not being able to be in the same room as each other is the final nail in the coffin, really, Well, yeah. in terms of getting an heir. Yeah, the two fall out. Romanos ordered that Zoe no longer have access to the Imperial Treasury and uh, just seemed to give up on gaining an heir. Oh. Yeah. That's the third emperor in a row. Yeah, they're not they're not doing very well. Not very fertile, are they? Are they? No. And uh, that's not the only bad news. You know that rain that was falling... So uh, all the crops were yes. flourishing. And, and Jeff, yeah. is, Jeff is so rich right now. Oh, he, he is surrounded by golden olives because oh. for, like every olive he sold, he just made a golden one to replace it. Oh. That's how rich he is. Yeah, the rain just keeps coming. Oh. And coming. Uh, the rivers begin to flood. And according to Skylitzes, I quote, nearly all livestock drowned. Oh, no. <laughs> Which makes you wonder whether how they were keeping the livestock <laughs> nearly all of it drowned. Well, is is Jeff's uncle, Uncle Jeff, a few years prior that kind of suggested that maybe we should keep the, you know how like cattle smell essentially that smell of dung and yeah, keep them in the sewers because everyone knows smell sinks rather than rises. So, and you don't want your cattle to go off. Exactly. It's like you find a cool place to keep your cattle. They stay fresh longer in the dark. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So uh, a year of famine followed. The olives had been eaten by this point, and there's just no food left. Yeah. Things start to look bad. So Romanos decided he's going to win glory for the empire through military conquest. So it's time to make a name for himself as emperor, because so far, all he's done is not get an heir, and everyone's starting to starve. So, do you think? And do you think people would really care? Like right now, okay, we're we're in the middle of a, a worldwide pandemic. Yeah, would we be celebrating if I don't know if we invaded France? Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, I think some people would. Oh. yeah, depressingly so. <laughs> uh, but no, you'd like to think most people will go. We're, we're kind of busy at the moment. <laughs> yeah, screw this. Let's, let's not. Let's not invade France. We, we've done all right with france for quite a while so uh yeah, yeah. but yeah no romanus is going for it he'd, he'd never been in the military himself <laughs> uh, oh but, he's gonna make ideas and make decisions isn't he well it, he'd read a lot of books oh i mean he really knew about this trajan fella um so i mean how hard can it be so off he goes yeah, that, that's, that's the equivalent of you thinking you could rule the army because you've done a podcast about trajan I could totally rule the army by now. I've, I've read what to do and what not to do. That's true. The first thing you do is uh, not lead the army if all you've ever done is read about the army. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Number that... one, I believe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, Romanus didn't realise that. Uh, so, yeah, he's off. He's off to the east. Omen time, you'll be pleased to know. Omen time! 
Yeah, we've not had one of these for a while. Nice. You can tell Celis is around. Oh, actually, this might be Skylit Caesars. Uh, but still, um, there's a mountain in Anatolia, modern-day Turkey, at this time. Uh, it's still there. Uh, those <laughs> mountains tend not to move. And up this mountain, a voice was heard. And in fact, I'm just going to quote from now on. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Hello! I'm stuck! <laughs> the rock fell on my foot! Save me! Help. I've been here for three weeks! <laughs> really not far off. Uh, <laughs> really? I'll just quote. A voice was heard, moaning and weeping in lamentation, similar to the voice of a grieving woman. And this was not just once or twice, but every day and night from March, well until June. When some people came to the place where the voice was heard to investigate, the moaning happened somewhere else. So, uh, yeah, there was some moaning of a mountain. So how is that an omen? Well, well, apparently it was foreshadowing the uh, disastrous campaign to come. Um, But I think think we've hit it on the nail. I I think (laughs) someone's just got themselves wedged in a crevice somewhere. What, what's that film where he has to gnaw off his leg? Oh, something hours. Yeah. yeah. But this is from March until June, so that's that's a lot of hours. Well, because well, the, yeah, the um, person moving around, though, you'd assume that it's just basically like a, a lost old lady just <laughs> maybe, rambling maybe, around the mountains. I, I think uh, it's just a around. woman pinned under a rock who has uh, survived for, for four months uh, just by <laughs> eating various parts of herself. Um, oh. Yeah. And it's just the echo that makes it seem like she's moving. Um, yeah, <laughs> they find her. She's just a head trying to gnaw on her own eyes. <laughs> it's grim stuff. It's very grim. Oh, that'd be a portrait. <laughs> yes, it would. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed that omen. We've not had one for a while. Well, <laughs> uh, but let's get back to the the more historical side, shall we? Um, Romanos is going east, but why? What's going on in the east? Why is he going off there? Do so you want to attack the Muslims again? Uh, well, yes, obviously, uh, but why? <laughs> For glory. Well, yes, uh, according to Salus, the reason why Romanos had set off is because in the east, not much was happening. Uh, oh. Yeah, um, Celis just states this is Romanos just trying to gain a name for himself. There was no reason to go over there. Um, yeah, it, it was a war of aggression to win glory. So, so, so. he so basically turned up with say like seventy thousand soldiers into the middle of the caliphate area and said, "Thought you might be bored. Fancy a battle?" Um, according to Celis, yeah, <laughs> essentially. However, maybe this is unfair. Um, as we've seen, Nicephoros and then John both did very well in the East militarily and took over Antioch and Aleppo. Uh, Syria and Mesopotamia were once more Roman. Yeah. Uh, however, when we get to Basil, he spent almost all of his time in the West with the Bulgars. He occasionally rushed East to sort things out. Remember when he dashed over on all the donkeys? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but most of his time, 90% of his time, was spent in the West. Uh, the powerful cities in the East who were not best pleased with being in the Empire, started mm. to think about revolting, perhaps. Yeah. And then the great Basil II died, and everyone in the East started to look at each other and go, revolt time, maybe? <laughs> uh, and as we saw, Constantine VIII did very little about this. 
uh, because that wasn't in Constantinate's nature. And things had started to rapidly deteriorate in the area. Uh, So although there was no major invasion going on, uh, it's safe to assume that Romanos would definitely have things to do once he'd got east. Yeah. Now, the man in charge of Antioch uh, had been fooled by a captured Arab general. Uh, The general had told the Roman commander that he was willing to defect and fight for the Romans. If the Roman commander gave the Arab general a thousand soldiers, he would set up a fortress and fight his own countrymen for Rome. So that's just happened. So you've got an Arab general coming over to Antioch saying, look, I'm willing to defect. Give me a thousand men. I'll fight for you. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) However, (laughs) (laughs) once, once the Arab general was out of the city with his thousand men um i mean considering he had just been captured a few days before he is now in a great position (laughs) he's now got a thousand men and he's he's free again Uh, and he just simply turned on rome immediately oh fair enough by this time romanos was the emperor so all this is happening as he's taking over Mm. um so to begin with uh he's he's busy enjoying the olives and giving out all the uh the treasury to the church yeah Uh, so he was a bit too busy to deal with this so instead he sent his brother-in-law to take over antioch uh take it back yeah um it's not long afterwards though that romanus decided no actually i'm going to win some military glory for myself and help settle the region personally so as you can see he does have a reason for going over there okay fair but uh, we'll see how he does. Shall we? <laughs> oh, how do you think he's going to do? Well, your tone of voice says it all, to be honest. Uh, could be double bluffing, though. I don't think so. No? No. Oh, we'll find out. We'll find out. I, 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 uh, I don't think he'll do like dismally, but I think he'll fail. <laughs> okay. Right, well, Romanos sets off at the head of a very large army. Uh, according to Sellus, he wanted to make up for his lack of experience with sheer troop numbers. <laughs> Just throw yeah. men out. <laughs> yeah, throw it's men like, out okay. I realise I don't really know what I'm doing, but if we outnumber them ten to one, I mean, <laughs> you just can't lose. Which, uh, I mean, there is a logic there. He loses, doesn't he? Well, if we can believe Sellus, all his generals advised Romanos against this. <laughs> uh, saying very boring things like supply lines and logistics. and uh, uh, But Romanos ignored them. He raised a huge army and set off east. Oh, dear. Once they arrived in Antioch, a huge display of force was given. Uh, they entered the city easily enough, Um because it wasn't fully taken. It was just uh, under threat. Um, Huge parades through the streets, big displays of military force, etc., etc. In fact, I quote here, It was certainly a royal show, but the equipment was somewhat theatrical, not worthy (laughs) of fighting men, nor capable of striking fear into the hearts of the enemy. Which makes me think they all had those swords that are like on springs that go into the hilts. Yeah, yeah. That you use on stage. Cardboard <laughs> covered with foil axes, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're not even horses, they're just barrels with faces painted on them. Yeah, lots of coconuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it looked and sounded good, uh, but yeah. The, those people who like were actually trained to fight, like this... This looks good to the masses, but we're not actually ready to fight here. I'm, I mean, half of them are wearing their armour inside out. I mean, it's, how, how is that even possible? <laughs> well, envoys from Aleppo arrived shortly afterwards. Now, remember, uh, Aleppo has uh, been the head of the local 
emirates for a while now, but is now Roman once more. Um, yeah. And they they send some envoys saying, yes, Emperor, really sorry, we were, we admit, thinking of defecting back to the Caliphate, uh, what with most of us being Muslim, and we're just feel more at home there. Uh, but now that you're here and you're looking really angry, we're really sorry, we won't defect anymore. Um, we will definitely pay the annual tribute. In fact, uh, we'll we'll pay it early. Uh, We're really, really sorry. Please don't kill us all. (laughs) P.S. Love your hair. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this this is great news. This is essentially victory without having to fight. Aleppo just fold. The huge display of might uh, works perfectly. Damn it. (laughs) Damn it. I was hoping you'd fail. Just like, you'd be so arrogant, oh, we've got our cardboard swords and our barrel horses, we'll be fine. No, no, works absolutely fine. Uh, it's a huge display of force, the region surrenders. However? <laughs> you know me so well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was a meeting, and uh, Romanos's generals, the same ones that went, maybe not the huge army, they, perhaps with their tails between their legs slightly, um, said to the emperor, Okay, that worked. Show of force. Great. Accept it. Easy win. Job's done. There was a pause. <laughs> and uh, Romanus, you could see him doing that kind of kind of face that people pull when oh, they're dear. thinking things over. He's having a mull, he is. Oh, no. Don't mull. Uh, it's not even winter. His, his, <laughs> well, it, it's certainly not, because um, his generals then point out, it's like, seriously, we have far too many troops here. Uh, we can't feed them all and the heat of the Syrian summer's about to set in. We will be in trouble if we stay here with this many troops. And ah. we've won. So perhaps go home? Maybe? Emperor? Oh, so wise Emperor, who's a massive victor. <laughs> yeah, Romanos sets off to Aleppo with approximately 20,000 men. Ah. He is going to make sure that Aleppo definitely surrender. Not in this namby-pamby surrendering just surrendering way. No, he's going to force them to surrender. The emir of Aleppo, a man named Nasir, apparently only had around 2,000 men to uh, Romanos's 20,000. Literally 10 to 1, then. Yeah. So Romanos was confident, as you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's really rifling through those uh, history books about Trajan and Augustus. Yeah. He definitely knew what he was going to do. Probably should have read the part about Marcus Antonius. Um, and his attempt to go into this region. Ah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, I've hardly been subtle. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you're absolutely right in guessing how this is going to go. <laughs> it's not going to go well. Uh, to begin with, the troop sizes predictably caused a problem. With such a large force, Romanos was slow. Yeah. He camped on a barren plain two days from Aleppo, uh, and then sent a force out to go and scope the area, find a better place to make a more permanent camp, and figure out where they can get supplies. Generally, reconnaissance. Okay. Um, however, the reconnaissance forces that were sent out of their makeshift camp were ambushed as soon as they were sort of round the corner, <laughs> out of sight. Past the next tree. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, Yeah. <laughs> Just know they all ride out, they just turn past a tree, and then all of them, there's probably about 200 of them, all of them just suddenly upside down in the trees with one of those ropes around the ankle jobs. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That's good Uh, placement, I'll be honest. Oh, yeah, it's very impressive. The horses as well. (laughs) uh, 
All four legs or just the back two? Oh, I mean, it just seems mean just having not four legs. So I think all four. Okay. More comical that way as well. <laughs> well, for some reason, a horse being hung upside down by four legs seems funny, but a horse being hung upside down by one just seems horrendous. <laughs> so uh, we're going full comedy. In fact, yeah. we're going full comedy, horse four legs, and the rider's still on the horse. Oh. Upside down. That's what we're going for. That's a brilliant idea, yeah. So anyway, while all that's going on, Romanos spent a while in his camp, waiting for the reconnaissance uh, mission to come back. Yeah. Uh, he waits for a bit more. Yeah. Well, people are getting hungry, so uh, let's let's not wait too long. Let's send out some foraging parties. Well, when the reco- reconnaissance force come back, we can then find out where the best places are, and I'll send out another force. But let's just go, we'll, we'll just see what we can find for now. Yeah, they equally straight into the traps. Uh, this time, uh, I'm going to say quicksand traps. Oh, but the kind, yeah. you know, the the sand you get for children. There's like little pots of different colours. That's <laughs> not even real yeah. sand. Yeah, I mean, I say quicksand. It was just a bucket of sand <laughs> that was a bit damp. But, uh... <laughs> just thousand of the enemy standing there with their sword like pointing to one sword like right you next in the bucket <laughs> yeah. humiliation more than anything else yeah pretty much anyway back to the camp Romanos is sitting there waiting waiting and at some point history has uh, lost exactly when it is uh, but Romanos realised that he had a problem <laughs> because <laughs> his troops weren't coming back uh, not only was he lo- running low on supplies but dysentery had hit the camp because this wasn't an ideal place to stay. No, dysentery's not good. However, he had one man with him who knew the area well. Jeff! No, not Jeff. Jeff was uh, caught in the the trees. Of course, yeah. Yeah. No, this was uh, none other than Delesanos. Now, you're probably frantically trying to remember who that person is, aren't you? No, I know exactly who that person is. Who? Um, that person, Delesnos, who you've just mentioned, is a very important person who um, I believe um, is the weather's been very nice today, hasn't it, Rob? As I'm just checking through my notes. Uh, a Bulgar. <laughs> no. Damn it. Okay. Not a Bulgar. Uh, I doubt you even wrote him down, to be honest. No, I shot him. He's only been, he, he was mentioned once today and mentioned once last episode. Uh, this is the man who was due to marry Zoe. Oh. Got the letter saying, come and marry my daughter from Constantine. Got halfway through, yes. halfway to the capital and then got another letter saying, no, actually, I've changed my mind. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, so... Uh, He's there. So that must have been awkward. <laughs> oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Romanos, uh, whilst deciding uh, what's he going to do here, decides, well, I know. I won't send out a small force. They've only got 2,000 men. I'll send out a large force and track down the ambushers. And uh, who better to lead this large force than uh, the man who knows the area and keeps sort of shooting daggers at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The one that keeps sharpening his sword while staring at me. <laughs> exactly. So uh, off you go, Delesinus. No hard feelings and all that. Um, Spits off Delesinus goes out with his large force to deal with the ambushes. And Romanos waits for news of victory and hopefully some new supplies. When suddenly in the distance, a dust cloud is seen. Ooh, and, wonderful. Uh, yeah. 
Some people are returning, look. Yay, it um, must be all the people. Well, a ragtag bunch of Roman soldiers were seen in the distance fleeing back to the camp. This was <laughs> Delesnos's large force, and they were just legging it back as quick oh. as they could. Yeah, they'd been picked off just like the foraging parties had been. Not good. Uh, panic what, starts... What Sorry, what, what by? Just um, Nasir's forces. I mean, he didn't have many men, but they knew the region well. well and they just... tra- what, what trap? Because we've had the ropes, we've had this, the, the, the quicksand. Oh, no, the, the, this wasn't a trap. This was a full-on ambush this time. Oh, really? Yeah, this was full-on ambush and fighting. Uh, oh, okay. Maybe there were a couple of traps. Maybe there was one door in the middle of the desert. Uh, <laughs> like no, no walls or anything, just a door. And uh, obviously Water inside. There was, a, <laughs> there was a bucket on top of the door. And, <laughs> yeah, and the whole army went through it, and the bucket fell on them. Yeah, well, and then what, they were ambushed. <laughs> well, what what they had to do was like stop each soldier, like a reset the bucket each time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was awkward, but worth it. It was worth yeah. it in the end. Yeah, and the very last one, they did confetti, and everyone celebrated. It was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then they ran most of them through with swords. Oh. Uh, yeah, back in the camp, people were panicking. Uh, they they realised they were in the middle of the desert. Most of them were sick with dysentery. They had no food, and anyone who stepped outside the camp got killed. Instantly. So, uh, that's not good. So, hungry, sick, and fearful, many of the men became skittish, shall we say. Why well, you would. Uh, Romanos decided to have another meeting with his generals, who were probably sitting there with gritted teeth by this point. Oh, is this going to be like one of those um, team-building exercises? Okay, guys, sit <laughs> around the table. Here's a ball of string. You're going to throw it to each other and hold on to the string. I'm going to show you what happens when one of you is not working together, that kind of thing. Yeah, I've, I've heard that there is some resentment about my orders, so <laughs> this is a safe place to air your views. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the view was that Romanos had been an idiot and they needed to fall back to Antioch immediately, uh, as quickly as possible. Yeah. Basically, full-on retreat. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Uh, however, when the order was given to retreat, uh, the soldiers didn't hear, fall in, let's march to Antioch to resupply and fight another day. What they heard was, run for your <laughs> lives! Save yourself! <laughs> Yeah, but uh, the men just grabbed whatever they could and legged it. This this was no orderly retreat. This was full-on runaway. The sources differ to what happened exactly. Uh, either the Roman forces were routed by an attacking uh, Arab force, wow. uh, with Romanos himself only just escaping with his life as his bodyguard got him out of there, uh, or the Romans largely got out without physical injury, but in such a disorderly manner that it was just humiliating. They ran, they fleed, and uh, the caliphate forces just watched, (laughs) grinning. Um, (sighs) Yeah. Either way, it was definitely humiliating. This was a huge loss for the Roman Empire. I mean, considering it really wasn't long ago that Basil, John, and Nicephoros were proving to the world that the Roman army were the best army in the world. (laughs) Now they are literally just legging it in the desert. Oh, dear. Yeah. Anyway, Romanos returns to the capital with his tail between his legs. 
Luckily for uh, Romanos, however, the Aleppo forces did not continue their good run because those 2,000 men soon approached a Roman-held town and demanded surrender from the Roman commander stationed there. After all, they were doing very well. They'd just seen off the emperor, so let's go and take some Roman towns. Yeah. So uh, they sent the demand for surrender to the Roman commander, who was a man named George Manichaeus if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, M-A-N-I-A-K-E-S. Maniakes? Maniakes. Maniakes, that sounds old. Yeah, Maniakes. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) might want to keep an eye on him. Don't box him or anything, but just know that George Maniakes sticks around in our story for a bit. (laughs) Emperor George. (laughs) Well, George had surrendered immediately. Of course, I surrender. Um, You guys have earned quite a reputation. Mm. Uh, I'm in no position to fight you. The Emperor's taken most of the men and legged it. So, uh, yeah. Um, in fact, just to prove no hard feelings here, um, here's a huge bunch of food and wine. And uh, in the morning, we're, we're sort out the official surrender and we're, we're do all the paperwork. <laughs> I feel like... Can you see what's coming? I feel like it's some sort of setup. Or poison! <laughs> Not poison, no. Um, the Arab troops. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What, what? The, um, that, um, the laxatives. <laughs> no, that would have been amazing. No, um, <laughs> the Arab troops, uh, feeling right pleased with themselves, uh, ate and drank throughout the night. Had quite a party they did. Um, oh, no. Yeah. I mean, after all, they'd seen off an army ten times their size. They'd now, now taken a Roman city. I mean, nothing could stop them. They were invincible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was about two o'clock in the morning, sort of whiskey and blues time, I imagine. Um, <laughs> were they really but, chilled out? Oh, yeah, really chilled it's out by that being point. Yeah. I mean, it had been quite raucous for a while, but it's, it's really starting to mellow the party now. Yeah. Yeah, and then suddenly the forces within the city came charging out. George Maniakes was able to annihilate the opposing forces, and he cut the noses and ears of every soldier who had survived. Oh, no. He then packed all of these ears and noses up into a (laughs) container and sent them to the emperor with a little note probably saying, here you go. Oh. Yeah. You you know he's Isaac a general. (laughs) Yeah, probably something like that. Uh, so there you go. So the forces that had defeated Romanos were, in turn, defeated quite quickly uh, by a uh, very well-respected general. Someone that can do the job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just goes to show it wasn't that hard. <laughs> <laughs> by this time, however, Romanos is back in the capital. Uh, not long afterwards, envoys came from Aleppo, again asking for peace. So, okay, fair enough, uh, we tried to surrender. You refused to surrender. We did surprisingly well against you, but then you did defeat us. So can we surrender now, please, was essentially <laughs> the message. A Roman governor was sent and placed in charge of the city. The invasion had been a disaster, but the empire itself had not suffered, and in fact, the region was settled. So embarrassing yeah. for Romanos, but ultimately uh, not actually that bad. Okay. Now, it's also around this time that Zoe's sister... Theodora comes into our story. Remember Zoe had a sister, Theodora? You mentioned her before, yeah. Yeah, if you notice, you've got a box around her. Oh. Yeah, um, yeah. Yes, and Zoe. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, believe me, it's going to be a fun few episodes coming up because this gets messy. 
I, I'm just feeling sorry for Romanus because I have a, I have a suspicion. I don't feel sorry for Romanus. He's dead before it really gets bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's we, we've got about five episodes uh, involving the same group of people and how they all try to outdo each other. So uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Anyway, it's starting because uh, Theodora at this point was implicated in a couple of conspiracies. Oh, yeah. Uh, Romanos was, again, out with the troops. Skylitzy suggests that he was thinking of going back to Syria, but it's not really clear why he'd be doing this. Um, but either way, he's out of the capital. We know that much. Uh, Zoe was then informed that her sister was plotting to take the throne with the ruler of one of the themes. This is a man named Constantine because everyone's named Constantine. That's true, yeah. Yeah, but actually, we don't have any old Constantines at the moment, so we can just call him Constantine. Yay. Yay. So Constantine was seized by the current Lord Chamberlain. And here we introduce a very important character. Because like I say, we've got a few episodes of the same people and you're going to need to make a note of him. Because the Lord Chamberlain at this time is a man named John the Orphanotrophus. The Orphanotrophus. Orphanotrophos. Orphanotrophos. Yeah, the word derives from orphanage because uh, he had something to do with an orphanage. But I'm not going to go into all the details of John yet because I'm going to save that for another episode. Was he an orphan? Uh, No, uh, but he was a eunuch and the Lord Chamberlain. Okay. Yes. uh, Like I say, we're going to go into his family a lot more next episode. But for now... Just know that the Lord Chamberlain is a, a very powerful man, and he's got several brothers and a lot of ambition. Okay. Hmm. Anyway, in our story at this time, John, the Lord Chamberlain, has Constantine arrested and questioned, shall we say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next day, evidence of this questioning was found hanging from the walls of the palace with a broken neck. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. Word was that he killed himself. Must have been the guilt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zoe's sister Theodora was then nunned and sent into exile. So no more cooing for you. So, like I say, all of this was done when Romanos was out of the city. Uh, if he was planning to go to the east and do more fighting, it would appear that this attempted coup is what brings him back. Uh, and he's soon back in the capital and everything is settled mainly thanks to John. Now, it appears that Romanos at this time kind of gives up on military conquests in the same way he gave up on trying to get an heir. He's going to come up with another way to secure his legacy. And uh, according to Sellers, it's about this time that he becomes obsessed with piety. Oh? Yeah. Like I say, no heir. Military designs have failed. Um, He'd had some success in building the treasury uh, through high taxation. Um, But what's he going to do with all this money that's now coming in? Well... well, he's going to give it to the church, isn't he? He's not going to give it to the church. Because Lonex? who's going to remember that? Uh, some big statue thing. Bigger. Oh, build what cathedral you... church. Oh, there we go, yes. Just as Justinian had built the Hagia Sophia and Basil I had built the Nia, he figured it was time that the city got a third massive cathedral. <laughs> you know what this city needs? This became an obsession for the emperor, apparently. He's said to have moved to a tented palace near the construction site to oversee the building more closely, uh, all but forgetting everything else. In fact, I'll just quote Sellers here. The expenditure 
incurred over this church was constantly increased. Every day he collected more contributions than the work necessitated, and woe betide the man who tried to limit the building. On the other hand, anyone who invented fresh extravagances and new variations of style was sure of winning the emperor's friendship at once. Nothing in the whole world was thought good enough for this church. All the royal treasure was made available. Every golden stream poured into it. The monies were exhausted, and yet the construction went on. For one on top of another, new parts were added, and at the same time, some other part would be pulled down. Often, too, the work would cease and then suddenly rise up afresh, slightly bigger, or with more elaborate variety. When rivers flow into the sea, most of their water is drained away before it ever reaches the mouth, and so it was with money. For most of what had been collected for this church was appropriated in advance and wasted on other things. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> So he just becomes obsessed with building a massive church and the corruption in the city amongst the powerful means that all of the money raised just lines the pockets of the rich. Yeah. Uh, so it'd be like, instead of like a gilded bowl, it'd be like a silver foil bowl with gold paint on top. But a lot of gold in the pocket for the man standing nearby and grinning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, for over a year, apparently, he was obsessed with this building project. Uh, so much so that he neglected pretty much everything else. Now, in the east, George Maniakes was able to take the city of Edessa, uh, expanding once more the land in the area. The, the empire hadn't got Edessa for quite some time. So Edessa's back in the empire. So technically, the empire's expanding. Uh, oh. But <laughs> this is more because of George than Romanos. Done in his name, though. Is done in his name, yeah. Um, then a plague of locusts uh, caused some troubles. Oh. Yeah, especially oh, in the eastern themes. Jeff's olive farm. <laughs> no, he'd set up in the east. Yeah. Uh, but no, the locust came. It wasn't oh. good. Yeah, but Romanos uh, gave the region some money to help him cope. So he helped with uh, recovering the disaster there, which is good. So it's not all bad. But it's definitely the church, which is what's occupying him more than anything else. Yeah. Um, as for his wife, uh, well, he hardly even saw Zoe anymore. Uh, there was a rumour that she was having an affair with the brother of the Lord Chamberlain. Oh, with um, yeah. John, John's yeah. brother. Yeah, John had a younger right. brother called Michael. Uh, Michael was said to be particularly good-looking. We are talking totes hottie. Oh, so he, he'd score like a, a 25 out of 20 in... Uh... Imager. We're, we're talking Majorian levels of good-looking. Wow. Yeah. Like he swishes hair. Yeah. Oh. We're talking swishy hair, rippling pecs, rippling oh. abs. Everything. <laughs> Everything on him rippled. Uh, it, it, it was a disturbing but somewhat awe-inspiring sight. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so apparently Zoe was uh, having an affair with this young stallion of a man. Zoe, um, who's probably now in her mid Early 50s. 50s. Yeah, mid early 50s by this point. Yeah, so she was having a whale of a time. According to the sources, uh, Romanos either didn't believe these rumours or simply didn't care, because after all, he wanted nothing to do with her anymore. And if it kept her occupied, then why not? Um, uh, to be honest, I think he probably would care because it's the 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 vision, it's the it's the optics of it, isn't it? Oh uh, well, it gets a bit more complex than that because uh, Michael was soon afterwards hired to be the personal assistant to guess who. Oh, was it um, uh, Zoe by any chance? 
No. Oh, the Emperor? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> How long did this position last for? <laughs> well, um, yeah, there's clearly something going on here. According to some, this is Michael being John, the Lord Chamberlain's brother, uh, being given a position of power by the Lord Chamberlain whilst the Emperor was busy, and Zoe taking full advantage of the fact that this young, good-looking man was around. Uh, but maybe Romanos actually liked this Michael fella and uh, just didn't believe that he would be having an affair with his wife. We're not really sure. Or um, Zoe was in charge of the uh, the hiring. Maybe. Maybe. Don't worry, we're going to be able to go into this in a lot more detail next episode. Anyway, Celis uh, tells us that the rumours swirled around the court until eventually Romanus could ignore it no longer. So he called for Michael and asked him straight, seriously, just how well do you know my wife? <laughs> Michael looked Romanus straight in the eye, apparently, and swore that the rumours were not true. Ah. Oh. Romanos was reassured, Uh, partly by the sincere way that his personal assistant had spoken, but also by the fact that Michael was epileptic. Epilepsy was considered a form of madness back in those days, and Romanos assumed that his wife would have nothing to do with the stunningly good-looking younger brother of the Lord Chamberlain. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Incredible, virile young man. (laughs) Yeah. So Romanos puts it to one side, either deciding I can't be bothered, uh, it doesn't matter, or truly believing that nothing's going on. We've got no idea. But he doesn't seem that bothered either way uh, because he's got a church to build. Yes. And that church, it's it's finally going to be built. It's going to be great. Uh, there was an earthquake, uh, not in the capital, so it didn't damage the uh, the church. This is Thank in the goodness. east, uh, <laughs> over where they've had the locust. But yeah, so so he <laughs> oh, sent just house. <laughs> I know he's not doing well, uh, but yeah, he sent some aid over to the east, which is good. So I mean, he's, he's still he's still in his bit. <laughs> sent um, some spades to clear the rubble. Exactly, uh, but then. And he starts to feel a bit ill. Oh dear. It was a very slow and gradual illness, in fact. Hard <laughs> to define, and none of the healers could really explain what was going on. They, um, they kept putting they they kept putting uh, those feathers down his throat to tickle his tonsils. Yeah, I mean he'd he'd completely lost his appetite, apparently. Yeah. Um, but everyone was insisting that he eat. Yeah. <laughs> Another glass of wine, sir. <laughs> Uh, he also apparently struggled to sleep. He was uh, really struggling with his health. Uh, he became very tetchy, apparently. He was said to have been a very friendly man for his entire life. Uh, he was said to just be a kind of a nice guy, really. Uh, yeah. But at this point, uh, with his energy sapping, he, he just starts snapping at everyone all around him. According to Celis, the mood in the court turned dark. As there's always factions in courts. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, the factions all started to suspect the other factions of poisoning the emperor. No. Because this didn't seem right. Uh, Celus uh, recalls being 15 years old at this time and seeing Romanos uh, conducting a service. I mean, this is why we get so much detail from Celus, because he's actually there. This is primary oh, wow. source stuff. Yeah. Cool. We, we've really not had the likes of Celus since like, right near the start of series one. Yeah. It's good stuff. Um, Anyway, I'll quote him here. He differed little from a man who was dead. His whole... (laughs) I mean, he he wasn't doing well. (laughs) No, obviously not. 
No, his whole face was swollen, and the colour of it was no more handsome to look upon than that of men three days dead in the tombs. Most of the hairs on his head had fallen out, as though he were a corpse. The others despaired of his life, but he himself was by no means without hope. He had put himself in the hands of doctors, and he expected to be restored to health by their skill. Oh, God, not the doctors. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, in that... Small paragraph there, Celis uh, referred to the emperor as looking literally dead three times. So yeah, he's yeah. clearly not doing well. No. And anyway, these doctors, they suggested many things to improve his health. One of them was to regularly bathe in the palace baths. Okay. Just makes sense. Go for a nice warm dip. Yeah. Um, so the emperor had been doing this for a while, and actually it seemed to be improving his health. He's, he's not doing too badly. And then one day he entered the baths. And he felt strong enough to swim a couple of laps. His health seemed to be improving. So he swam a couple of laps and then spent a while floating in the water, just resting. And then, just as he ducked his head under the water, just to wet his head, I suppose, uh, he suddenly felt a hand press down on him. Oh, no. He struggled, uh, but then a number of hands grabbed him and uh, howled him under the water until everything went black. Oh, dear. So you're picturing him floating face down in the water? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, in the middle of the baths. Yeah. Yeah. It's not over yet. Oh. Yeah, uh, his attendants, who had drowned him, uh, stood back, (laughs) uh, looking at what they'd done. And I'll quote Celis here. The air inside the emperor, however, caused his body to rise, and it brought him back to the surface, almost breathless. There he floated about in a haphazard way, like a cork. Oh. Yeah, so, I mean, don't picture him floating face down. He was howled under, but when he came up, he came face up, and he started to splutter. He's not dead. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. I can imagine a few expletives would come out of the the, the, uh, (laughs) attendants. Yeah. Well, uh, he gains consciousness, uh, but he was weak, and he stretched out his hand to the blurry shapes that he could see on the side of the baths. Uh, One of the men uh, took pity on the old man, who they just attempted to kill, Uh, so he pulled the emperor out of the water. Romanos was then laying on a nearby couch, gasping for breath. Uh, It's at this point, apparently, that Zoe came rushing into the room. Uh, <laughs> really dramatic. Oh, what has happened to my dear husband? Oh, good God, he's alive. <laughs> thank uh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thank goodness. <laughs> well, apparently she took one look at him and then just walked out again, presumably happily convinced that he was on death's door. Uh, because Romanos apparently attempted to say something to those around him but the ordeal after the long illness was too much, and he died before he could say another word. Oh, okay. So, uh, there you go. <laughs> There's Romanos. Yeah. That's almost, almost similar to, um, oh, what was the one that got wrestled in the uh, in the bathroom? Commodus. Commodus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do like a good bath drowning with your <laughs> it's, it's a good way for them to go. It's dramatic. Yes. Cinematic. Yeah, yeah. So it's that slow motion, him rising up like a cork. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, let's raise him then, shall we? Mm. Fightius Maximus. Maximus.
Okay. Um, I don't think we're going to need to spend long judging him here. Nope. Um, the only real thing he did was an absolute failure. <laughs> there, there were a couple of smaller skirmishes that I didn't go into because it would have taken longer to explain the uh, intricacies of the backstory behind the skirmishes than it would have been taken to explain the fact that it doesn't go well. Uh, <laughs> so, Fair yeah. yeah, just know there was a couple of other skirmishes that it's like, yeah, it's it's nothing amazing. He manages to push some people back from the border, but it's nothing huge. That said, we do have George Manaikis, though, doing his, his stuff out in the East, and that was impressive. Uh, but um, this seems to be despite the Emperor, not because of him. He seems <laughs> seem to have been supported by the uh, but it wasn't his name, so perhaps he should get at least a point or two. I, I think he deserves a point for that. That's all I can give him is one, because his invasion of the East was so utterly terrible, and against the advice of his own generals, um, it's like, that's just really bad. But should he does get, he gets a Dessa back, so... Well, mm, oh, well, if you got a Dessa back, should I give him one point as well, then? Yeah, kind of. So He's got a total of two. Two. I just realised something. I can... <laughs> We're not recording. <laughs> No, I can put this directly onto the Totalis Rankium card. Oh. As we go. Do you still make them? Yeah, yeah. Got one for every emperor we've done. Oh, cool. That was two, wasn't it? <clears throat> right. Okay. Yes. So, not oh, great. Let's see how he does in the next round. Approvium crazy. Uh, not great. <laughs> he doesn't really do yeah. anything crazy. He was obsessed with his church, but that's about it. He seems very sane. Uh, Celis remarks that he was a very friendly man most of his life. Yeah. He only becomes tetchy when he's being poisoned. Uh, <laughs> which, I mean, is fair enough. Uh well, yeah, I would, I would be quite tetchy. I mean, he didn't paranoid. He didn't follow the advice of his generals, but I th- that's Phytius Maximus. That's not this round. He received a box full of ears and noses, but we don't know what he did with them. Well, uh, well, just leave that to the imagination. His Lord Chamberlain assisted the suicide of someone who tried to usurp, but again, he was right. out of the city at the time. Yeah. No, I'm going for zero. Yeah, yeah, it's nothing zero. here, is it? Nope. Maybe he'll score better in the next round. <laughs> no, let's, let's find out. Let's find out. Here we go. Success ultimate. Uh, well, he apparently was a very well-meaning emperor who knew his history. He wanted to emulate one of the great emperors in history, uh, but it just didn't work out for him. He wa- he wasn't a wise philosopher. He wasn't a great general. He wasn't an amazing administrator. The best you can say for him is that the empire muddled along, despite yeah. him. I mean. The Empire outwardly doesn't look any worse when he ends. In fact, drawing lines on a map, it's actually expanded. But the blow to the military was not good, and it gave the enemies of the Empire ideas. Uh, And he also certainly secured no heirs or anything to uh, allow for a smooth transition. So, not great. But he he, he tried with the heirs, though, didn't he? He did. With Uh, pebbles, uh, rocks and chains. Yeah, but for some reason it, it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows why? I mean, it the Empire doesn't get significantly worse, uh, but it, it's, it's just not good. He sends out aid to those in need. Um, he manages to raise money. Uh, I don't think this is a zero, but it's not. It's not great. No, I mean, it's at least a one. Uh, I'm going to give him a three. What? Really? Out uh, of ten, was... you're giving him three? 
There are three natural disasters that we know of that he uh, provided aid for. Um, He supported uh, finances to the church and he raised revenue. But Um, he, but I'd argue... There are a lot of emperors who did a lot worse than that. uh, I would argue that even though he put a lot of effort into the church and gave lots of money, he ignored everything else because of it. Yeah, and that's not great. He becomes obsessed with his church and he doesn't pay attention to other things, uh, which is why he's certainly below five. Um, But the empire as a whole isn't significantly worse off than when he started. That's a good point, actually. He was no Commodus. I mean, don't get me wrong. Three is definitely the highest I can go here. But I can point to several things he did that was good. That's a fair point. And I can't think to many things that I can point out and say that was actively a bad decision apart from the military one. Uh, but I've docked in points and fight his Maximus for that. That's fair. And, it, and you, you sort of said in the past, like, five is basically the emperor, the, the empire in a basically neutral position. Nothing much changes. Yeah, exactly. So That's, that's yeah, a I'm, fair I'm point. Happy. I'll match your three, three then. Yeah. Six. Um Oh, I don't know if you see. I, I said three when you were only going for one. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, six seems a bit high. Now, I might go down to two. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but that makes it look how I like him. Okay, now that's fine. <laughs> okay, I'll stay on three. You go two. <laughs> okay. Okay, five. Five. Image Okay, so through the magic of uh, the internet, we're both looking at the same <laughs> image here. This is a coin of Romanos three. What do you think? Uh, uh, it's quite well detailed, actually, considering it's such an old coin. Uh, there are obviously bits chipped off the top, but um, I like the fact that it's full length. Yes, good point. Yeah, you got his whole body. Um, you've got some nice robe details. He's holding his little ball with the the double Orthodox cross on it. Yeah, his face looks remarkable. I mean, there's detail in his beard and everything. I mean, there's not. It's not just a weird ant face. Remember the Ant Man phase we went through? Yeah. Just lack of detailed triangular faces because no one could be bothered anymore. No, this is pretty good, you know. That for is. a coin. I think it's a full length image. You can almost see on his uh, right hand holding the big sticky thing, uh, like almost like bands or a bandage on his hand. Yeah. It's quite cool. I'm impressed. For I'm a impressed. coin, that is good. I. I can't go higher than a seven, I don't think, because it is just a coin still. But uh, I'm going for seven. I'm going to really. match your seven. I think so. I'm impressed. I'm, I'm impressed as well. Seven, three point five. Three point five. Okay, and last round. Temple I don't think very long. I I I can't say I, within five years. I reckon. Oh, you're close. You're close. Ten twenty eight. To 1034. Oh, four six years. years. Oh, six years. <laughs> I can't add. <laughs> yeah, six years, which isn't, it's, it's not great, but it's longer than I've been emperor, so. <laughs> yeah, and me. That is 0.75 for Tempo Completo. Yeah. So that's a total score of 11.25. Pathetic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not good for Manos 3. I mean, this is not a new golden age. No, I mean, you're no Marcus Aurelius. No, definitely not. But um, still, you've got a podcast episode, so what are you complaining about? Well, <laughs> um, last question, though. Do they have a certain genesis? No, I mean, why, why would he have it? Absolutely not. No. So there you go. That is Romanos, the third of his name. What a disappointment. Yeah, I mean, he seemed like a nice guy, but 
Yeah. C- couldn't cut the mustard. No. Nope. Not been invented yet. <laughs> That's the main reason. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there we go. Uh, that is Romanos 3. Well, I hazard a guess who's next. Oh, is it going to be the, the, the two ladies? Nope. Oh. We've got two more episodes before we get to one of those. Oh, oh is it the, uh, John? No. Not George? <laughs> no. Then I don't know. <laughs> Michael. Oh. The the hottie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, in in how? Oh, we go into that in his episode, uh, but but just know that um, I think this is like post credits in a Marvel film. Where <laughs> you just get a little teaser. Just to imagine a field somewhere with a little glint in the grass. It's, it's Majorian's glint, and uh, someone just happens to walk past and pick it up, and places Majorian's glint on his own teeth. Bing. And then you pan out and realise it's Michael. Oh. Oh, yes. It suits him. So, oh, it definitely suits him. So uh, that's who we've got next. We've got Michael. Oh, okay. The Rippler. <laughs> so that's next time, however. Um, all we need to say this time is thank you very much for listening to us in these troubling times. Unless it's in the future and all this has passed, in which case, thank you to listening to us, despite the fact you're now living in the afterworld. It's, it's <laughs> oh. all Mad Max. That's Ooh. what it is now. Yeah. yeah. And I'm I'm talking uh, the second Mad Max. Oh, Things the new one? gone really weird, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. No, no, no. I'm talking about the originals. Oh, I haven't seen them. Have you ever seen any of the Mad Maxes? Nope. Uh, the, the first um, Mad Max is really not weird, that apocalyptic at all. It's basically just someone riding around Australia, <laughs> just in the outback slightly. Ah, <laughs> oh, there's a roof. In, in fact, but it's really not that clear that the end of the world's happened. No one mentions it. It's, it's, like, it's, it's just some weird gangs. It's all a bit strange. I had a day with my partner. We watched uh, all the Mad Max films in one day. Really? Good times. Good times. Second one is the best, in my opinion. Okay. Thunderdome <laughs> went too far, but I enjoyed the second. <laughs> I have literally no idea why we're talking about Mad Max. I've completely forgotten. Oh, yeah. No, that's where everyone lives in the future. Yes. After the coronavirus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yet they've still somehow managed to listen to this podcast, which is great. So thank you very much. Yeah, well done. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, until next time, then. Right. Well, don't forget, you can download us on Poppy, iTunes, and Stitcher. Yes, and you can. Don't forget about us on Facebook and Twitter. You know, at the moment, we've got loads of time on our hands. We'll respond to anything. <laughs> yes. And thank you for the reviews that lots of you are leaving at the moment. Uh, I'm guessing because you guys have more spare time. <laughs> uh, time on your hands. Um, yeah, we actually, uh, Romans and Presidents, both got into the top 100. Uh, history really? podcasts at the same time for the first time ever the other day oh wow yeah yeah that's pretty good yeah good. I, I think we we did do that right at the start when they first changed the categories because loads of people haven't changed their categories yet but nah. yeah you see the moment we're usually hovering around the 150 mark but yeah no both both got into the top 100 oh so fantastic and thank you. I'm guessing they do that based on reviews. So thank you to all of you listeners who have left a review. And if you've not done that yet, uh, keep going. Because uh, if ever this podcast gets higher than a Mike Duncan podcast on the uh, on the charts, then I can die a happy man. <laughs> that's that's my aim. 
now. So, yeah, go, leave the reviews. Oh. Right, okay, uh, thank you very much for listening then. And uh, until next time... Fetch the chains. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Ah, Emperor, hello. Ah, wonderful. I was hoping you'd come. Um, yes, I, I, I must say I've been trying the pills you gave me, and so far nothing. Are they not giving you the uh, appropriate lift that you'd need? Well, no. No, I, I mean, to be honest, they're quite hard to swallow. Well, they are horse pills. Let, let's try something different. Um, step this way. Right, okay. Uh, see this contraption here? Oh, you're thinking away from the medical, more the practical, I see. Exactly. So you get this loop and you tie it onto here. Yes, okay, right. Yeah. A bit tighter. Okay. And pull! Oh, God. I really fail to see how this could help. When it's up... In fact, I'll just quote Sellers here. <coughs> he said... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>